What would it take to convince you that your body is the most incredible healing system ever created? What would it take for you to put your faith in its design to heal itself instead of relying on drugs and other interventions? The, the model of healthcare we have, yeah. it's exactly what you just described. We're, we, we, our last 12 years of our life are not quality years of life. We're living yeah. on dope pills, potions, lotions. Okay? Yeah. It's time to take our health back. If we're going to try to figure out and, and, and manipulate the body, it's a fool's game. I see you know, pharmacies that can call themselves wellness centers now. It's really become watered down. It's really become confusing. When we talk wellness, when we talk lifestyle, we're talking what is the environment you're putting your body in or inside of you that's gonna it's gonna just affect you our way is simply not working even with all our medical advances and technology we are getting sicker we spend more than we spend on military we spend more on anything it's it's, it's 18 percent of our gdp on healthcare. yet we're getting sicker and do we really think that more drugs and more tests and more that's gonna be that's gonna how we're gonna get there yeah, it seems overwhelming but there is hope this is the Design to Heal podcast. I can't think of anybody that I've met in the, in the last 15 years that's come in and said, awesome, I'm on all these drugs and I feel great. It usually goes something like, can you help me yeah. get off of all this crap, yeah. right? The first thing I have to do is teach them that they're designed to heal. I want to welcome everybody to another episode of Design to Heal. My name is Jeff McLaughlin, hosting as always. Here we are live in Orlando, Florida. I got my buddy, Dr. Ben, Ben Rawl, here hey. with me. Ben, how's it going, man? Awesome. How are you? Cool. Doing well. Doing well. Man, let's jump right into it. We got a guest today. We do have a guest. We have a, not just a guest, we have a, a guest expert, right? Awesome. And um, and so Dr. Don is a, is a chiropractor and he's got, he's one of those guys that's got a chiropractic and then a bunch of other degrees too, even working <laughs> on his PhD and other things. So Don's kind of like, I think about Don is when I'm trying to learn about issues and resources and health topics, and I want the best, latest, cutting edge, great questions, hot off the press stuff and pushing the envelope, Don's the guy that I go that I go seek out. But he also is a way of, I think, explaining things that just makes sense. And Don, he's worked um, with some of the largest companies that do like lifestyle, corporate wellness. So, you know, like yeah. you think about, you know, diabetes and um, weight loss and, you know, um, you know, cardiovascular disease and things like that. So he worked for a large company, uh, headed that up for them. And he really is an expert in helping marry that. And we talk about a lot in this show, but he's just going to do it in a way much better than I can. But it's called it Lifestyle 2.0. He's a virtual doctor now. He lives out in the West Coast, but he sees patients from literally all over the world. He has a rich history of um, his name uh, is a uh, kind of legendary in alternative healthcare and chiropractic and, and stuff like that. So we're honored to have you. Thank you for being on the show with this, Dr. Don. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's, it's great to be here. Well, Dr. Don, we have a, an enthusiastic group of listeners and a growing population of listeners that are, are that are excited. They're learning about wellness. They're learning how to take care of their bodies. They're learning things that uh, that Ben's uncovering for them and the guests that we have are uncovering for them uh, as well. And so I know that um, this is going to be a treat to have you on today as we begin the conversation. And uh, man, if you um, if you had to drop like like the short, like the three minute, super short TED talk, I mean, we're gonna have a longer conversation than that. But if you could just if you could hit and wow an audience um, that I've just described in three minutes or, or less on the idea of wellness and health, what, what would you say? Could you do that right now if I just, you know, not putting you on the spot, no pressure, right? No, exactly. You did put me on the spot, a lot of pressure, <laughs> well, you know, three minutes. Have fun, man. You got this. <laughs> yeah, great. I don't know how much of a wow it would be, but it's a big wow for me. You know, I, I, I love this stuff. Cool. And if I was to uh, communicate one thing out there is that we really need to remember that health 
just like disease, it's a continuum. It's not an absolute. It's not something that's finite. It's something that's organic. It's natural. And it's something that we can have a tremendous amount of influence over. A lot of people think that their genes or their genetics or their health lottery that they won or lost is, is not in their hands, not in their control, that something is controlling that for them when it's not true. We have so much control. And you mentioned the lifestyle 2.0. That's what we like to call it because so much of our health, our quality of life and our happiness for that matter is directly influenced, if not dictated by our lifestyle, what we do or don't do on a day in day out basis contributes so much to that, that it's got to be the first line of defense and your, your most constructive effort you can do for yourself is to be proactive with your health and to really keep a uh, focus on a lifestyle and know that how much of that is actually, actually in your control. So Donna, this is Dr. Ben here. So uh, I think you did a pretty darn good job and I think you did it in under three minutes. And so, you know, the fact, you know, so you deal with people all over the world and in many cases, uh, you know, also being a chiropractor myself, by the time they make it to our doors, unfortunately, or, you know, our laptops, they've usually tried kind of the typical, you know, typical approach. Is that fair to say, right? They've seen the doctors, they've been yeah. on the drugs or something like that. So we kind of get the, you know, you as well. I know you even work with another another level of kind of the worst of the worst. And what I mean by that, just with their health, right? And so what do you, what do you in your experience, you're, you're on the phone with a person that's been told, hey, you've got diabetes, there's nothing you can do about it. Hey, you have a, a family history of heart disease, there's nothing you can do about it except take these pills or these drugs or something like that. What's kind of your, and again, we are really putting you on the spot, but what's kind of your first thing you want them to know, I know you just touched on that a little bit, but is there really hope for them? Cause you know, I'm a chiropractor, you are as well. You know, we've been accused of a lot of things in our lives, right? So, you know, snake oil salesmen and quacks and all this kind of stuff. So I know you're sensitive to that. I'm sensitive to that. We want to deliver just great, solid information. What's the first thing that person needs to know kind of about the typical medical approach right now? And you know, what else is out there? That's a great question, and it comes up a lot, uh, especially when you're doing something that might not fit their current understanding. It might be different than what they've been told. Then instantly, those red flags come up. Why? What's the difference? You know, why did my doctor say this and you're saying that? <clears throat> comes up a lot, and and the reality is, is that answer is this is of this is all we have for you is really an honest answer. That's all they have for them. Speaking for like diabetes, that path, that medical pathway for diabetes is, is very distinct. It's very set. It's been around for 40 years. It's been, really been around since 1923 when they discovered insulin, right? The medical so approach you're talking, yeah, met, uh, you know, uh, orals and, you know, yeah. orals and uh, injections, right? Is that? Yeah, yeah it usually yeah. starts with orals, one, two, three, mm -hmm. and then the injection, right? Metformin is usually the leader on that, but that's that's a pretty standard experience someone has. They get, they if they even find out they have diabetes within a, within a treatable range, because 90% of people out there with prediabetes walking around with, with blood sugar of 100 125 don't even know it 90 percent. Wow. that's tens of millions of people to so have no the, idea the, the the epidemic of, of ty specifically type 2 diabetes when we hear that out there it's actually a fraction of of what's going on out there is that correct fair to say Absolutely. And we're talking a fraction and those are conservative medical numbers. Yeah. If you want to stretch it out even further and you add in things for metabolic syndrome, like slightly high blood pressure, increased waist size, things like that, cholesterol numbers. Now we're talking, we could be looking at, you know, a population of adults out there, 70%, 80% of our adults out there so are what, in this category. We know yeah, right now yeah. that 52% or more of all adults are either pre-diabetic or have type two. 
Wow. That's just that one category. You expand it out with some cardiometabolic markers, like I mentioned, over 50%. I think it's upwards of 52% of all American adults right now as we're doing this call yeah. have prediabetes that can be detected by a blood test or have type 2 diabetes. And of those type the, – of those prediabetes, 90% don't know they, they have it and 25% of type 2 don't know they have it. So they're walking around and it's just getting worse and worse and worse. And it's become so prevalent and just like you mentioned, the treatment is so standard. Yeah. Get diagnosed, one, two, three medications, then the injection, and then it goes on to even uh, more stuff. But you know that's, that's what they have to offer. And they know that they can start to bring down blood sugar numbers by doing that, and that's their model. So when a, when a medical doctor says to someone, hey, this is – you got diabetes. It's a progressive degenerative disease. It's only going to get worse. This is what you have. That's absolutely true in their world, whereas we know when we look at it through different lenses, we look at it through hormones like insulin and, and functional uh, lenses, our glasses, the, the scenery changes. And we have a lot more to offer them because because di diabetes, as an example, it's not a blood sugar problem. Mm. It's an insulin problem. It's a metabolic problem. It's a liver and pancreas structural problem. And so when you when all you're trying to do is change that number on the blood test, you know, you're, you're pretty pigeonholed into into one type of care. Whereas you look at it through the lifestyle model to see how we can repair those organs of metabolic function like the liver like the pancreas and actually get those hormones to come back and play nice together like insulin, like human growth hormone, like estrogen, testosterone, and so on. And then the brain mechanisms, now you got a whole bunch so, of stuff so you can start working with someone. Let me ask you this, Doc. So, and I know Jeff's got a question. I can see him chomping at the bit over here. So, so I think, you know, I know you're so, you're, and one of the things I love about Don too is he's not afraid to experiment on himself. I don't want to give you this comparison because if, you know, I'm sure if you're a fan, but you know, uh, is it, is it Tim Ferriss? Is he the one that does a lot of experiments on himself too? And I'm not calling you yeah, the, the yes, Tim Ferriss, but uh, cause I don't agree with some of his stuff. But <laughs> my point is, you know, Don will go on these, you know, he, he'll, he'll try the things of, and he'll measure his bloods and he'll give all the results and he's really transparent about it. And he's done some funny ones over the years, but, um, I guess what I was, my question to you, Doc, was, you know, you hear these terms and, you know, pancreases and livers and, you know, um, you know, metabolic diseases in the brain. And I think people go, okay, that's just too complicated and too hard. I guess what I would want you to speak to just for a little bit is you're actually not talking about like, you know, $9 million in tests and 400 like, supplements and stuff like that. Not that there's not a time and a place, but just general lifestyle can begin, you know, having a very significant effect. Is there kind of a couple things, and I'm not just going to lock you into those. I just want to, our listeners right now that just heard that, they could do these three things right away and have start to realize an impact. What would those things be? Yeah, absolutely. So talking about metabolic organs or, or function, basically we're talking about how our body makes and uses energy. That's what we're talking about with metabolism, with metabolic function. And it, things that diseases that fall under that are diabetes, are heart disease, are Alzheimer's, type 3 diabetes, they're calling that now. And so we're talking about how our body uses makes and uses energy okay you're you're either a sugar burner okay. or you're a fat burner fundamentally that's our two energies we have to use in our system um like a, like a car uses gasoline we use sugar or fat and the balance of how you use that sugar and fat in your system it will will determine your your metabolic health or most metabolic people health. are living on sugar is that a fair fair statement most people are live, living on sugar absolutely and so if you know if we want to take it 
back three takeaways like the free parting gifts yeah. you can give someone that they can start to do right now and change their health today one of them is to prioritize your sleep it this sounds simple yeah, yeah, yeah. sounds easy people <laughs> blow it off but just prioritize your sleep give yourself an, an hour before bed go online get the checklist they have a bunch of different uh mm -hmm. recommendations out there get your make sure your room isn't cluttered make sure it's cool have comfortable clothing your temperature should be around 67 degrees but really put a lot of of, of attention into your sleep that's number one that's the most overlooked part mm -hmm. of our health i think mm -hmm. we have out there number two most people don't have to eat less they have to eat less often you know, we hear so much, you got to eat, you know, 38 small meals a day, you know, right? I'm being funny here, right? But this is where people get caught up, I think, in what we'll call fads. And I know you speak against that so often. So will you expound on that one a little bit? Because I think that's really powerful. A lot, I'm not a big fan of calories. So I'm not talking about calories or volume. I'm talking about frequency. If people would just start eating three meals a day, and cutting out all snacking, their metabolic health would, would change. They would lose weight. Their blood sugars would improve. Cholesterol would improve. The average American, all they did, and they, again, they're not going low calorie. You're not going low fat. Yeah. You're just eating all the food you eat in your day at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Why does that affect it so much versus the, you know, you snacking, snacking, snacking? What's the, what's the physiology there? Well, the snacking, there's a couple different yeah. reasons this, is, this has come up. One, snacking curbs off hunger for people, and hunger is the number one reason people don't follow through with traditional diets. But the, the from the metabolic side, yeah. from the way I look at it, I'm looking at insulin. Think about every time you eat some food, you're going to have an insulin hormone surge. Now your blood sugar goes up too, so you, both of those go up. So say you had breakfast. You had – Typical breakfast, cereal, and milk, something like that. Big surge of insulin, big surge of blood sugar. Now, a couple hours later, when you have that snack, mid-morning snack at the with donuts with the coworkers or whatever it is, blood sugar might be coming back down by now, but insulin hasn't come all the way down. It's still a little bit elevated. Now you just take that snack and you bump it back up. And that continued elevation of blood sugar and insulin levels, that continued elevation is, that is where all these risks lie. Yes. Okay. It's not only the it's, – it's the – general overexposure of insulin over time that causes so much problems. Insulin is one of the few hormones that we can activate and we can stimulate at will by what we do, mm -hmm. by what we don't do, every time we eat, when we think, when we get scared, when we, you know, you name it, you can crank it. You can't do that with t testosterone. But you're just saying because that's going to lower my spiking or my, uh, you know, the elevated levels of, of insulin and blood sugars, I'm going to, I'm going to be winning a little bit more. Now, if I, if I even reduce the sugars in those three meals a day on top of that, I'm, I'm even better off. Yeah. We, I had a client, we'll call her Mary. That was from very humble town, small town. And when I was coaching with her through the population health company, she said, Dr. Don, you don't worry about my breakfast. I have uh, I have vegetables and <clears throat> juice every morning for breakfast. I got my, you know, my breakfast is taken care of. I'm like, oh, great, Mary, that's fantastic. What, 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 what are your vegetables and juice? Uh -huh. She goes, every day I get to work, I go to the vending machine, I buy a bag of Funyuns okay. and a Mountain Dew. Hot dog. That's her. Okay. And she is she was, was dead serious. serious. Yeah. She was dead serious. <laughs> but even that kind of model, which is similar to the one you uh -huh. you mentioned, um, if they just stop snacking throughout the day and and they can even continue to eat junk. In my programs where I work with people, we, I don't change what they eat first. I change when they eat first. So we're going to get better sleep. We're going to, you know, go three meals a day. What's kind of a third a third one? I know there's a lot, but what if you were going to pick one? If I was going to pick one, I'd say make friends with fat again. 
Mm. A lot of people, we've gotten so fearful of fat. You know, fat is, we mentioned before, we're either burning sugar or fat. Fat is high-octane jet fuel, wonderful fuel for our body. It's healing. Most of our organs are, are made of fat. Our brain is almost entirely fat. We need that fat. And we've been afraid of it and we've been hiding. Fat's not bad. Fat and insulin is bad. Okay. So you don't want to, you know, have high fat and high sugar at the same time. Hey, that's, Doc, that's I, a no, no. Can I ask real quick, like you got your three favorite fats that you recommend? Yeah. Well, I'm number one is coconut oil. I am a big fan. We buy it in a, our family goes through, it's like a 40 pound bucket. We get directly. <laughs> we, we, we make toothpaste out of it. We put it on our skin. We <clears throat> do a lot of different things. And we, we cook with it and we eat with it. So number one would be coconut oil. Love that coconut oil. That's better uh, than two, olive oil? Yes. Yeah, cool. Yeah, especially nowadays because of all the problems with sourcing of olive oil. Ah. There, you know, there's a lot of olive oil out there that aren't well sourced or that aren't actually mostly olive oil. But that's a, another discussion. Ah, that's but a good word. No. A, good, a good olive oil would be number two. Okay. And then I'm a fan of butter. I like ghee. Um for myself, but butter, just old, good old fashioned grass fed butter. This is, this is why, and I'm just, now I'm figuring out why everybody likes you, Dr. Don. Here's what I like this guy. Go to, just sleep more, <laughs> eat some butter and you know, you can keep eating crap. Just eat it three times a day. I'm just kidding. Yeah. So, so, you know, but I think it exposes something here, which is, and, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, doc, but it, it kind of shows how far away from the natural design we've gotten, right. That even making some real simple changes like that can, you know, have a profound impact on our top killers from Alzheimer's to, you know, cancers even, or, or, you know, diabetes, cardiovascular disease. You know, when you look at this and you look at the way that we're kind of medic and, and, you know, doc, you put something out a few years ago or not even a few years ago, maybe a year ago that I've saved on my desktop since I saw it. And it was, it was, you know, I don't know if it was just one of those days where you were on a rant and you just had listed out kind of the state of healthcare in America. You remember that, you know, and, and how much we spend and the amount of disease and one in blank of this and maternal, you know what I mean? Yep, um, yep, yep. And I know you don't put, I know you never put something out there that you can't, you know, back with science. And if you can't, you make sure and let everybody know that. So every one of those stats I know is, is backed up for our listeners out there. I mean, they hear it from me. Um, I know you grew up in this world with your family and in, in the chiropractic, but the kind of the current state of healthcare, what would you say to that? You know, kind of where we're at with our current state of healthcare and the kind of the medical approach to that. Well, we're in trouble. Let's, let's be straight away with that. We're in trouble. We live a very artificial lifestyle. I lived for eight years in Costa Rica, a couple mm. of years in Spain, and in a few different states. We've we've raised our kids and, and traveled around, and <clears throat> you get to see different different approaches to lifestyle. Everything from stress to physical activity to uh, to the more social side. And when we came back to the states, that's when the, that's when I got smacked in the face with the differences, mm. right? I came back and I saw all these overweight kids at my kid's school, and I was going, "Whoa!" And I went to a PTA meeting, and guess what? Mm. All these overweight parents, all you know, the they have all those allergic mm. stations uh, for for lunch. They have a peanut table, they have wow. this table, they have a that table. They had all these different things. It was really quite shocking for me to see the difference coming back. And then I, I was coaching my kids baseball team and I'd watch the boys go down, try to try to field a ground ball and they couldn't get down in that three point stance to get a ground ball because of the body mechanics are off. Wow. Just there's a whole lot. And it all comes from our seated posture, our chronic seated 
posture, you know, sitting down at the table, eating breakfast, getting in the car, going to school, sitting at a desk all day, coming home, watching TV or playing a video game. These kids are just are chronically in this forward leaning seated and you posture. weren't in, you weren't in a third world nation i mean spain and costa rica i mean it's not like you were i mean that's you know these are people that are doing life and have jobs right um yep. but you, you know and eating food and i you know i've traveled a bit myself and and i always enjoy seeing those other cultures and it does give you that stark contrast and this is why i think you know now you talk about lifestyle 2.0 um, you know, if we could just value, because I mean, I think sometimes guys like yourself or me can just be kind of discounted or, you know, you know, sloughed off like, oh, you're just health nuts or whatever that is, right? Um, that type. And it kind of, it discounts the power of, of lifestyle. But yet when you see an entire culture that's doing it different, my goodness, it breaks my heart as a dad. And I've got two kids myself that they can't, you know, kiddos aren't even able to bend down or everybody's got an asthma inhaler laying on the sidelines. Like that's just not, you know, you're not that old. I'm not that old. We didn't grow. That wasn't our reality growing up. You know, how has that happened in one generation or generation and a half? It is a reality. And if you look at the statistics, you know, uh, it's, it's a harsh reality. One in two adults right now have prediabetes or or type two. Who's it going to be me or my wife? Mm. You know, that, that's a, that must make this real. And one in three kids born after the year 2000 expected to develop type 2 diabetes. Mm. I have three kids born after mm. 2000. Which one's it going to be? Mm. That's as real as it gets in my mind. Mm. And we're not immune to it. I've, you know, you talked about testing on myself. I've had, I've had a metabolic syndrome twice. Mm. You know, I was diagnosed with cancer mm. uh, past and, and, you know, and so things happen even to the most, or Mm-hmm. hopefully more aware people or people who are into this stuff, health nuts, if you want, it, it happens to everyone. So if it's going to happen, if it can happen to us mm. so easily, what chance does the average person out there have? And if they're only going to go to their doctor and be put on a pill and you know, that's it, what there is no chance. They, they, they absolutely can't overlook this thing called lifestyle. And we have, we have to look at it like it's medicine. The only way to avoid these things is to live right now. Like you have them mm. now. Doc, is it fair? I, so I was in Ontario for eight days just about a week ago, and I noticed um, it's very, very different there. A lot of, uh, I mean, everybody's got a garden at their house and fresh herbs, and the food is, I mean, just awesome. There's so many different, um, but you don't see a whole lot of overweight people in the areas that I was in. And it's similar to what you talked about with Spain, some of these other countries. And what I didn't get the sense of, here's what I didn't see throughout the city that I was in, which was about 30 minutes west of Ontario, of uh, Toronto, was you didn't see advertising everywhere for, you know, getting in shape and diets and all this kind of stuff. It's like these people were just doing life, right? And they happened to be in shape as well. But then when you looked at how they were doing life, you know, it made perfect sense. Is, is it fair to say that, um, you know, when we talk about these these changes, they're really not that radical here. It's what we should have been doing all along, but it's such a a drastic, like a stark contrast to where we are and how far we've slipped in this country. Is that, would that be accurate to say? Yes. It comes down to that artificial living. I mean, we live in inside all the time at desks most people, uh, air conditioning, everything's controlled, you know, shoes on our feet, you know, clothes, everything is, is very, is very artificial and we don't, we don't get out. We don't move. We don't, even our social life in Spain, they walked a lot. You know, everywhere. We didn't have a car for those two years. We walked all over the place. It, yeah. was, it was much more accessible as a culture, and and, it, and that makes it more social. So you talk to people, you you meet people, you see you see the kids uh, that not, not just in school, you know, out of school, and you, you get to you get to interact with people. It was a whole thing. And and Spain or Costa Rica or other places, they also live much more seasonally. They don't have certain foods twenty four seven all year round. They they don't they also don't go to to um, 
to Costco and buy, you know, 50 pounds of, of steak at, at a time. You know, they, they live much more fluidly, if that makes sense. And, and, and they plan things on a smaller scale. And so therefore things are, are fresher and more local. And it's just, and it's not, like you said, they're not going out of the way to do that. It's just how the culture is and, and, and it works for them. That's brilliant. Hey, Doc, we're going to take a quick break here. And when we come after the break, just a couple more questions before we land the plane with you. This is just fascinating stuff. So to our listeners out there, uh, check some words from these sponsors and we'll be right back. Thanks. All right, here we are back with uh, just hanging out, having a great conversation, uh, as usual, about wellness, about lifestyle changes and everything. Doc, you're doing a, you're just hitting it out of the park right now, rocking our world for sure. Um, as we take maybe sort of 10 minutes to, to kind of close out this episode, uh, just a- anything else, if we go further, you talked about some of your favorite fats, talked about, you know, what would you say to the average family that's living in this country um, who's going, okay, we can do this fats thing, we can make some of these changes, we can do the sleep thing. What, what's sort of like, a, is, is we kind of tiptoe into the 2.0? What would that look like? Invest in yourself is what I would tell people. Invest in yourself. 90% of chronic disease, including cancer, is considered lifestyle-based, therefore preventable. You know, so it's definitely worth the effort. And, you know, in, in, a lot of different ways you can invest in yourself. You can invest in time and getting up and moving around and or doing some research or reading a book on health. Or you can invest money and get a coach or, or get a, do a program or join a gym and things like that. All of that kind of stuff is about being – here's the deal. If you're not proactively improving your health, you will passively lose it. Mm. It's just it's it's the way of the world right now. If you are not doing anything, you you are on a, you're ticking it away, ticking it away. And that invest investing in yourself is a big deal. How do we get people to do what they need to do? That's what I was looking at for the health psychology PhD is healthcare engagement. What makes a difference between someone doing something and someone not? People in the population health world they would come onto my programs. Their employer paid for their program. So they didn't have much invested, and so the dropout mm. rate was higher. Whereas when I work with someone one-on-one and they pay cash up front, guess what? They show up to those calls, and they do they do do different things. And sometimes that urgency comes from being diagnosed with something. Hypothyroid is, is going crazy. Type yeah. 2 diabetes going crazy. Or their blood uh, cholesterol numbers are going off, or they're gaining weight. You know, If you want to know if you're metabolically in trouble, just measure your waist at your belly button. If you're over 40 inches for men and over 35 for women, you got a problem. There's problems going on in there. You know, it's, it doesn't have to be these advanced, like you said, testing and imaging. And it could be very simple things. The five markers of metabolic syndrome are the waistline circumference, the 35 inches max for women, 40 for, for men, uh, triglycerides, low HDL, uh, cholesterol. High fasting blood sugar, we mentioned, anything in their world, anything over 100, anything over 86 in, in my world, and then bl- uh, blood pressure, uh, anything over 120, over 80, with any three or five of those five different markers, and you technically have metabolic syndrome. It's, Doc, you, you don't have to go anywhere to really get those numbers. Doc, when, out. I, when you talk, because, you know, again, we see the worst of the worst, and I, I don't know, in my world, I feel like I spend a lot of my time having to, and I don't know if this is the right way of saying it, but you know, convincing a person that they can get better, right? So you're on, you know, they've got people listening to this that will never meet you and I may, and I likely will never meet that. It's almost like there's this, this, um, you know, I'm thinking about you coaching baseball with your son and you're watching these things or we meet people that are, you know, with disease and they don't even really know that they're maybe lifestyling them, themselves to death. And it's almost as if 
it's easy to just go, yeah, but in, in, in my case, you know, yeah. I can't get better. Or I, you know, I, I tried that. It didn't work for me. I now listen, you and I both know there's cases and we just, uh, you know, had a call or we did an interview recently with a cancer doctor. And we all know that there's people that really have, you know, like you said earlier in the show, you know, even when you are aware and awake and you're trying to make, you know, the right decisions, things can still happen. We're all going to die someday. Right. However, I don't think we can let that be an excuse. So when you meet that person, or maybe just talk to the listener right now that says, you know, I tried it. It didn't work. I went to the gym. I couldn't lose weight. What's been your kind of experience, you know, where you really, I just want to encourage them, frankly, right? You know, um, what, what do you say to that person you got on the phone with that thinks they've tried everything, their wife made them get on the call with you or, you know, and, yeah, and, yeah. and they, they think that they can't lose weight. They think they can't remove those risk factors. They think they can't, you know, they have to take their Lipitor, you know, those kinds of things. Well, one of the common things I hear all the time, uh, and people think I have a crystal ball when I talk, talk about this, they they go into stages in their life, and using this, we can use weight as a yeah. as a as a model here, and they've they gain some weight, and then they lose some weight, and then they gain some weight again, and now they can't lose the weight, and they say things like, "Well, I used to be fit or thinner, and I, when I needed to lose weight, I did this. Now I do that, and it doesn't work." I tell them something's changed in your body. Your bo- our bodies change. You know, it's not just about getting older. We we uh, change it a lot of different ways. But when it changes and it doesn't respond the way it quote unquote should, that's a good indicator that it's time to do something. And I tell people all the time, you always have to do something. You know, it doesn't have to be the one thing. We don't want to. You know, we get shiny object syndrome sometimes too, especially as practitioners. A new supplement, a new a new workout, a new whatever it is. But just always have a plan. Always be on some sort of plan. It doesn't have to be a strict diet plan or a hardcore exercise plan, but something always be that proactive because the awareness alone will shift you in the right direction. Doc, what you was know, the awareness well, alone? Maybe you made me think about having a plan and I, I, it was a while ago, but can you tell the, the story? I'm trying to think when you went, when you went on, you were eating a bunch of eggs. Do you remember what I'm, <laughs> remember what I'm talking about? Cause yes. everybody, everybody talks about, you know, hey, you know, it's, we've all been alive long enough. Eggs are good. Eggs are bad. So I, I don't want to miss, can, can you just tell the story for, cause I think it's funny. So what did you do <laughs> regarding eggs? Yeah. I ate, I ate nine eggs a day, uh, four ounces of liver <laughs> and I forget what I was going for was I wanted to hit 12 times the RDA for cholesterol in my diet. Dietary cholesterol. Yeah. And you did that for how long? Hang on. on. Doc, what would possess you to do something? I love it, man. I'm sure there's a good reason, but I want to make sure our listeners get it. What possessed you to do that? I did it for 28 days and I wanted to show that my cholesterol wouldn't go up and it, it didn't. That's Nothing awesome. appreciable. Less than I think it was like maybe it went up like nine percent. Yeah. But still, but I mean nothing compared to the horror stories that you hear. I also did a thirty day fast with no food and 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 measured everything just to show people. Guess what? You don't die if you don't eat. You know, mm-hmm. never. You know, never mind for a day. How about a week? How about a month? And uh, so on. And and I kept working out and I kept living my life and and you know things. It didn't have because that's another myth. People think if they fast, they're going to get shaky and mm. weak, and they can't do anything. And it's not true. Life goes on. You know, I think about I, you know, we have family members, you know, that have in my in my family that have struggled with things like alcohol addiction. And I, I I use this example, Doc, because you know, if a person was to, for example, stop drinking alcohol that maybe they're addicted to, 
you know, there's, you know, there can be consequences of that, right? The tremors, the shakes, even seizures and things like that. And so that doesn't mean that, that the alcohol was good for them and they should start drinking again, right? It, their body is, is detoxifying from an unhealthy lifestyle. And I think to your point where we get shaky, you know, we have people, we have people that literally, right, if they don't, and I don't want to put words in your mouth again, but if you can't not eat lunch without dang near dying, that's a sign of a problem, not an excuse yeah. to eat more. Is that fair to say it that way? Oh, totally. You can totally judge someone's metabolic health by how long they can go without food. Mm. If they can't, like you said, if you can't go to a snack or a morning or a meal <clears throat> without that. And that, that's exactly what that is. It's one of two things. It's either a detox reaction or it's a carb addiction cycle mm. reaction going on right there. And just like with the alcoholic, you wouldn't say, okay, oh, we got the shakes, <laughs> not feeling too good. Well, just have one beer <laughs> yeah. and, and we'll get you through this. No, yeah. it, it, there's a problem there. And, and addiction's huge mm. in, in this world. And it's, you know, it's the same pathways with sugar as it is with alcohol. It's the same pathways mm. with mm. wheat as it is for heroin. Mm. You know, they're, they're, they're the same. So time out there. Cause that's so important. And I, I kind of want to, we'll land it here even. So for our people that are listening, cause I think that, I think we don't appreciate that. I mean, we talk about the importance of lifestyle and, 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 and the relationship to disease of that and all the stats to back that up. But when you throw something out there, like, you know, I almost want to, as a warning to our, uh, you know, our audience, Hey, you, you say, Hey, I'm going to start doing some of the things Dr. Don's talking about. And then they go try to do that and they feel like crap, right? And they go and then they say, you know, they stop. And, and you're literally saying, hey, just so you guys know, that can be as difficult as, I don't want to say getting off heroin, but lack of a better way of saying that, you know, um, encouraging them that it, it is going to be a journey. I, li I loved how you opened up the show, Doc, talking about this continuum, right? Um, and, and it's not this either or now that you certainly, Hey, quit smoking cigarettes. It's a good idea. Right. And all that kind of stuff. But we understand that we're either building towards health or, or you said it much better, or we're passively, you know, going to kind of, it's like entropy or something, you know, we're just going to end up in this state of disease or disease as we talk about it. And so, um, how, what's your kind of closing thoughts to our listeners to encourage them or to warn, <laughs> warn them or how do they, and how do they get a hold of you? Cause I know there's going to be some people that are, you know, either live by you or they just want to a doctor with you because they're in a tough state and nobody told them, you know, everybody told them they can never get better and they want to talk to you. You touched on a lot of things there. It's, yeah, the way they can get a hold, they, they get a hold of me. I'm just find me on Facebook, Don Clum, D O N C L U M, on Facebook and follow me there. That's where I do most of my stuff. I'll be, I had a relationship with the population health company, so I didn't have any public facing uh, websites for a period of time because I worked with them and that's, I'm going to be putting those up here soon again. Okay. So there'll be more of that, but, but Facebook is fine. Okay. And, and just like you said, when you remember, when you make a change, you're going to feel a change. Mm. It doesn't mean it's bad. Mm. Okay. Especially when people start to do what they're calling fasting, which is intermittent fasting, skipping breakfast, skipping meals. You, you can definitely start to feel some stuff. And if you liked my advice on fat, you'll love this one too. Before <laughs> you start fasting, go ahead and crank up the salt content in your, in your food. You know, so that's a Here good way go. to butter, salt, <laughs> lay in bed all day long. Hey, hey, doc, can I give you my wife's phone number right now? And you, uh, I need somebody to attest this. Uh, I'm going to come home and she's going to be like, oh, you're full of crap. Why what do you, you say that, doc? Because I mean, you just, you just got to, you, you know, we talk about ending the show and then you just throw out that bomb at the end. Why uh, <laughs> everybody assaults the big killer that, you know, I'm, I'm teasing you, but, but why, why, why do you say that? Well, salt, we're, we're very deficient in minerals in general. And salt is a big, big player. Most of us are not getting even a fraction of what we should be. There's a great book called The Salt Fix if you're into the sciencey stuff and this guy's got a PhD in basically everything salt and it's it's really r remarkable. But we get people one of the first things they do before we even take stuff away from food or anything, we get them to crank up whole sea salt. 
you know, not, mm-hmm. not sodium chloride table salt, <laughs> the whole sea salt, um, uh, just, you know, could be Himalayan, could be Redmond's red, could be whatever they want. Um, and just get used to salting their food again. Cause then when they start to go longer times without, uh, eating like a fast, it's, it's easier for them mm-hmm. that, 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 that mineral base is built back up and so on. Hey, Doc, real quick, just, uh, you know, if I can get a bonus out of you, talk to me about the difference between table salt and the sea salt. What's what's significant about those differences? Table salt is sodium chloride. It's been stripped and it's got uh, fillers in there, like sand and glass, like particles in there. So that's what you see at a restaurant or, or so on. Sure. Whereas sea salt is a mineral. I look at it more as a food. It's a mineral complex. There's a, there's a whole bunch of minerals, trace minerals in there that make it easier to absorb and, and, and better utility. Whereas the table salt almost acts like a drug. It's been so isolated. You know, whenever we isolate something that much, it, it doesn't act like a food anymore. Whereas you get that Himalayan salt or whatever pink stuff, uh, type of salt that you like, that's a whole different ballgame. That's more like, think of that more like a food and less like a salt. Brilliant. Thanks, Doc. We appreciate it. Hey, we want to have you back on the show at some point. This is a great conversation. If you'd be willing, that would be awesome. Um, Absolutely. My yeah. pleasure. Cool. Thank you. Well, to the listeners out there, make sure you're hitting subscribe because we have great guests like this literally every single Monday when we drop an episode. You guys have done an amazing job sharing this thing already. And, uh, you know, even as you're listening today, somebody out there needs to hear this. Shoot them a text. Uh, drop it on their Facebook, whatever it is, and uh, start. Uh, join us on the movement um, of getting healthy, of of uh, of wholeness. Um, ben, I love again. Achieve Wellness. That's your clinic name, designed to heal. I mean, there's something about this. The the body is an amazing design, and we've got to we've got to figure it out um, and get back to a place where we are functioning as we were made to function. Guys, we will catch you next week. Thanks for listening to Designed to Heal. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Now imagine a new normal. You get to decide when you understand your body's amazing design. Connect with us today by visiting AchieveWellness.clinic and join us on the mission by sharing this episode with someone you love.